0: at the end of the day man like you know in any business you know everything's your fault as the business owner and you know if you have managers then you can place some of that responsibility on them but it all comes down to training uh support and ultimately you know reflecting on mistakes and giving them an opportunity to fix it
1: welcome to the painter growth podcast where we help you scale your painting company in record time join us as we explore sales marketing hiring finances leadership, and more, everything that you need to know to scale and grow your painting business. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, everybody? Mike Gore-Hickman here, founder of PainterGrowth.com, and you guys are listening to the Painter Growth Podcast. And we have round two for you guys, the man, the myth, the legend, the owner of Drip Jobs, Tanner Mullen. What is up, my man?
0: Boom. Happy oh to gosh. be here. Happy so, man, to be here, can, brother.
1: Drip jobs taken off. You know, always recommend people use it. Uh love to see that. You're um you're crushing it, scaling, and you're managing a painting business. I mean, most people can even just manage a painting business, let alone a scaling, bootstrapped software, you know, startup. So,
0: how do you do it? Okay, so man, it's you know, it, it's not as bad as you think when you have great people. So for me, it took a while, but the painting business could could crush me if that wasn't operational. A very lean process in the painting business. I work probably ten hours a week. Recently, I've been hitting estimates on Mondays to beef up the pipeline. Um, but uh, most of the time, I'm dispatching from the office. I'm game planning, preparing, setting up the teams the right way, anticipating, you know, droughts in the schedule. but more so, I'm communicating with my leaders all day. And it's not all day. It's just, you know we have 12 employees usually we run three crews and the four people that I put in charge which are the three crew leaders and my project manager/ slash estimator Chris uh, and my office admin uh, we're on a we're, we're just on on we're all communicating throughout the day whether that's through text whether that's phone calls and really it's just you know leadership development I'm there I call myself central dispatch uh, as uh, as their resource you know and what I've taught them over the years is to figure it out. You know, um, I think it's interesting people come into, you know, a a leadership role from, you know, maybe having experience working for someone else and they just come with such fear and it's like, you know, Hey, is it okay if we do this? I'm like, dude, figure it out. You do it, do it. And then we'll learn from it. I trust you, uh, which we've talked about. So, you know, for me, man, like, you know, the painting business could, could crush me and ruin my my schedule if it wasn't optimized the way it is, which allows me to handle drip jobs in a way that uh, allows me to enjoy working on drip jobs without feeling stressed in that area too. One
1: thing that's interesting uh, that I kind of just noticed as you were talking about your business is that you're not you're not running your painting business with the same mentality that a lot of other guys are, which is, let me see how big I can scale this thing. Seems like you've kind of reached like a happy... Uh, you know, level that just kind of runs. it probably you know pays you great, yeah. but it's like that level that you can manage uh, successfully without it causing undue stress yeah. and tension in your life.
0: hundred percent without upper management. I don't need that operator right now. Um, and and it's awesome. It's super lean. It's almost like a virtual painting business in terms of the sales process because of the way I set up having Chris do estimates and doubling as a project manager to where he's not really a closer. He's kind of just going there, educating, taking pictures, taking measurements and sending that to us in the office. Um, You know, so, I mean, from that perspective, one thing that I love about employees and the employee model is there's ownership there, you know, so I don't really need a full-time project manager to manage three crews because they're my employees, number one. So there's a certain level of ownership that they are required to operate with because they wear our logo, right? They're, they know our culture, our vision, our standards. Um, And then on the flip side of that, what I love about this business, and not many people think of it this way, but my customers get paid by the hour. Actually, they're free to be, backdoor managers, right? <laughs> if something were to go detrimentally wrong on a job site, they'll be the first ones to call you and let you know. And I love that because it's just homeowner accountability. It's one of the greatest gifts in this business is at the end of the day, you know, I have eyes on the job that have the job's best interest in mind. So, you know, and that's helped me tremendously. There's been times in my journey of owning a business where a customer would call me and say, Tanner, these guys aren't back from lunch yet. Right. And ultimately that was a hard conversation to have but at the end of the day it's one of the most beautiful things about this business. And you never want to rely on it, but at the end of the day it's there.
1: And you can use that feedback. You know, if you start getting a lot of it, then you can start looking at, you know, is it your team? Is it you as the leader? Are you showing up the way that you should be? Sure. Are you giving off those vibes that tell tell your painters that they can be late for lunch? They don't have to communicate with the with the uh, homeowner, it it all comes back to you.
0: That was a big thing is that homeowner communication, right? We had this issue, I mean, with one of our, our managers where he just never communicated with the customer at the end of the day, which was really hard to like narrow down until someone started mentioning it because ultimately they would do their work, pack up, like say a brief goodbye and leave. And it left the customer with a lot of questions. So what we realized like people really need to be babied in the process. There's some customers that are so edgy about what what to expect. Like here's an example. Like, you know, they have an idea of how much time the job's going to take. So the problem is, is that they don't do this for a living. So when they see like a ton of prep work and nothing getting painted, they're like, oh my God, this is a lot of painting needs to be done. There's no way they're going to get done by Friday. But they're failing to realize that the way we move when things are prepped as professionals is way different than what they've done as a homeowner. So they only have their own, I don't know, their own experience to, to reference when it comes to time, right? So, you know, w- what I've worked on in training my team is, is like, listen, you have to update the customer in an uncomfortable way, um, you know? So it limits the burning questions that they have, right? Because again, I'm not talking about all customers. I'm talking about the ones that you just know are gonna give you trouble. So for me, it's like, hey, at the end of the job, we wanna give them an outline of what we did, what we're gonna do, and the expectation of when it's going to be complete because those three things are something that we find everyone wants to know. Um, so our team is like, again, front lines trained to be communicators first, project manager second. What do you think of the the
1: concept of having your project manager just default, give the homeowner a text update at the end of every day? Do you think that's unnecessary or like, do you think that's yeah. really a good idea? Um,
0: listen, I'm if anyone is a, a nut about communication it's me it's it's that's what the essence of good business is you can never over communicate regarding the status of a project here's a good example i just quote unquote hired someone to help with ui design which is the design and field drip jobs right and um i sent them i sent them a, a little bit of a scope of work yesterday around like i don't know seven o'clock okay it's now four o'clock p.m and i haven't gotten a word back of feedback of my email And this was a trial run to see how good he would do. And I'm already thinking I'm not working with this guy because it's an indication. And he could come back with the most beautiful looking thing, but there was no communication. He could have just shot a quick update. Hey, reviewing everything, going to get you something. And as a buyer, I'm very critical. And I understand that at the very least, we are trained as buyers now in the market to receive communication. And it's not so much a luxury anymore. It's more of a necessity because if we don't receive communication, we assume something's wrong. Or we assume that we're not getting the value that we that we deserve, right? It's like Amazon. If you order something on Amazon, you're expecting some sort of confirmation or you're freaking out. Or if you fill out a lead form, uh, if you fill out like a free checklist, all these marketers, right? You don't get something in the email, you're you're thinking you got scammed, right? So it's almost like day, it's almost like
1: you know, you're you're waiting for a one-second reply from them, but the longer that you don't get that reply and it dwells with you, you just have more and more time for that like that uncomfortness Absolutely. to like build within you.
0: I'm I, at the end of the day, even though I'm I'm managing all these things, it's important to me to check in on my customers. Like we only run, you know, we're only doing 3 jobs, 4 jobs a day, so I have no problem making quick, hey, how's how's the job going phone calls as the owner still at this stage of my business, which ultimately I know who to call and who not to. There's some customers you just know are just chill. They're like whatever, you don't have to touch them. Then you got the ones that get upset when you have to reschedule the job, even if it's been pouring rain all week and you have to reschedule a job, they're upset. Like they don't know like that. We have other jobs that are getting delayed and you just know that like they're high maintenance. Right. So I think there's a skill set involved in managing high maintenance customers. And, uh, what we find is that communication is the, the, the (laughs) anti-venom.
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean, have you ever had one of those projects where every day you show up or your painters show up and the homeowner's got a list taped to their door? list, blue
0: tape, you know, and I think what we've, we've realized is that mo- most of these people are utilize that, that control um, a- a- as a way to, you know, I don't know, handle stress in some way or deal with something that got going on in their life. And it's an opportunity for them to feel like they're, they're in control. And, you know, again, like we're, you know, we've been, we've seen every type of customer you could possibly see, or at least I have. So again, when we start seeing these things happen over communicate, over deliver. I had a, I had a gentleman, um, we did a color consultation for him. And when you're a leader, it's all your fault, everything. I mean, you can get mad at somebody for not like painting the right way. Like, you know, for example, like uh, not, you know, if you're, if your standards caulking and taping, you know, but then you have to ask yourself, did you put them in a proper training? Like, did you assess them on the skill set? Did you get SOP out to them and have them agree to it? You know, and it's like, if you dive that deep, then ultimately, if you can look in the mirror and say no, then how could you hold someone accountable? Um, You you really can't. Uh, You sound like a hypocrite. He was getting iron ore, a beautiful color. But when we delivered the paint on the label, they put that little sticker on it. And something about the way it looked, he called freaking out. He's like, you will not put this on my house. You will not charge me for more. I didn't want anything with gray in it. And in my head, I'm thinking like, okay, my guys are starting a job tomorrow. I could spar with this guy and say, okay, we already ordered two gallons of very expensive paint, okay? And and he wasn't having it. He went on this whole tangent about how he doesn't like gray. So me, as a trained professional who understands the game, I know that I had to just eat the $100 and overcompensate for this guy. Because if I would have sparred with him, he felt he was right. I knew I was right because the way the color looked, but he just wasn't having it. He wanted this other black color color that he had seen on HGTV or whatever the situation is. But I didn't want to send my team into an environment that was already hostile from the jump. So for me, like, you know, gauging that, being 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 up to speed and just understanding, like, you've already, you, you have two choices. I could try to squeeze $100 out of this guy or I can have him feel like he owes me. And I'd rather go into the relationship like that and then over deliver uh, without the expectation of anything in return. So, you know, there's a little piggy bank of just like, eat it, eat it money.
1: Yeah. I think, I think any business owner has to, you know, has to consider that, you know, not on every job, right? If you're, if you're eating that on every single job, then you probably should look at yourself and, you know, <laughs> yeah. what you're doing, but it like, because you know, yeah,
0: because the customers that complain, right. The ones that give you a hard time are the ones that get that benefit. And, and, and that's not the the message that we want to send to our our nice customers. But at the end of the day, we're already locked into an agreement, right? It's almost like you know, it's not like we can get out of this thing. So, you know, lessen the blow. Yep. Just for fun, tell me
1: about the worst project you guys have ever done. Not the oh, worst, worst in, I mean, in whatever definition. No, I got I,
0: right off the top of my head. I mean, it was it yeah. was a customer that um, I quoted the job off of photos. If this is just when we began uh, doing uh, virtual estimating. And I, Chris, go out and just take photos, no measurements, right? So, this was me trying to eyeball this house. You
1: didn't and have the production. Questionnaire rate I there.
0: Gave to, <laughs> no, I didn't. And if I did, this wouldn't happen. So, yeah. if uh, so, he just took pictures, it was like five or six pictures of this house. And trying to put together the, the this house through his photos was incredibly difficult. I don't know what it was, but like the architecture was so different. And I don't know, I kind of just looked at it. And I thought, you know, what? that's not too bad. Like it's going to, it's going to be a five day project, right? So five day project, I quoted it for 10 grand, right? Usually that's like my five day par for one crew of four That's a $10,000 job. We're profitable. All right. So once that job after, and then this was me having to train Chris on like, dude, you know, we need to know, do we need a boom lift on this job? Do we need, you know, or, or how's or is the, is the boom lift going to fit? Like, are, these are all the questions that he had to learn how to assess for me, doing quotes in the office so I can accurately get the price out. So long story short, we start the job day one. My project manager, Shamel's like, when's the boom coming? I said, what do you mean? When's the boom coming? It looked like you could do it from ladders. What's the issue? So I'm like, all right, well, let me, let me see. So I'm like, all right, well, we'll get a boom lift. What do you think you need it for? Two days, two days. Cool. Two days go by. We're struggling. We're still on soffits, Mike. I mean, you know, we're not even hitting body yet. We're still working soffits because of the angle of this house. Not only that, when they did the color consultation, they they three-toned the house. So they had soffit, they had hardy board, and they had stucco. And I didn't check the damn color sheet until the day before and realized that it was going to be 3 tones. So that slows down things tremendously. And normally I charge for that, but I'm like, you know what, let it go because I should have caught it. I'll eat it, whatever. So, two days go by, we're still on soffits. Three days go by, four days go by, five days go by. Dude, we had this boom out there for seven days. That's $2,500. $1,200 a day or something? uh, It's like, well, if you do it for a week, it's not too bad, but it's still $2,500. So now we're at $7,500. Okay. Job was supposed to be done in five days. Here we go into the second week. And I mean, you just, you you name it rain, um, picky customer. uh, team frustration, uh, uh, arguments back and forth. Cause I'm putting pressure on them to finish. So if you do that and if anyone listening to this knows, like when you give your team pressure from the top, you know, they, they, if they don't know how to absorb that pressure the right way, they can fall out of line. So you gotta be careful. So I didn't, I was already stressed out. So like, this is a loss, you know? Um, so goes into uh, a 13 day job, which ultimately was about a $2,500, uh, loss. For us, Um, And and just that whole time, bro, like it wasn't, it wasn't the fact that we lost money. It was what we lost in, in in addition to the money, which was um, the opportunity cost of other jobs that we could have done during that time. So it wasn't just a $2,500 loss. It was the usually $4,000, $5,000 profit that that crew could have produced elsewhere. Right. It was the culture that got dented because of the arguments. Um, It it was the morale that got crushed because of things that got rained on. Um, so, I mean, this was just a nightmare project, but at the end of the day, um, I had to, I had to gain control. I had to say, you know what, this is my fault. And I think ownership and accountability, one of the topics that we want to discuss today at the end of the day, it was my fault. And I was starting to place that fault on my manager, uh, Shamel. And I was like, you know, you need to get this done. What are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? He's like, you need to come out here. He's <laughs> like, what you need to do, Tanner. <laughs> you know, that's what
1: happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've all had I I always like to call it like the house from hell, right? Like as soon as I said that what's the worst house, I didn't even need to like describe it to you anymore because you just knew that like house from hell rose to the top of your head. I think everyone you say, Hey, what was your house to hell? Like I had this one project. Um, it was a, it was a big stucco exterior. And just like you said, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. It was towards the end of the season. So we're rushing. I had like a painter walk off site. Um, every (laughs) single day, the homeowner comes end of the day with a, uh, you know, a, a notepad on the front door with all of the things that we haven't done yet. Um, I actually fell through an awning and fell like 10 feet onto a concrete slab. I dislocated my wrist. My wrist, we had to replace the awning. Uh, We had a (laughs) painter uh, who was, I found out later, stoned the whole time. I'm sure a lot of guys listening have experienced that. Yep. Um, He puttied all these like 100-year-old windows, but he left thumbprints in all the putty. And that stuff, when it dries, it's like hard as a rock.
0: Oh, no. So I had,
1: to, I had to belt sand, all that, and i scratching the windows. And my painters also painted, if anyone lives in one of the northern states, uh, you know those old wooden storm windows? They painted yep. the outsides of all the storm windows as well. So they wouldn't fit back in the house. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so needless. Oh, yeah, and then when we're, when we're collecting payment at the end, the customer's like, yeah, I think you only, uh, you've only earned half. I was like, you're kidding me. I just, I was like 23 years old. I I, I may have cried on their front step.
0: Dude. Uh, yeah. I mean, but you know, for me, I mean, that's a bad one. You yeah. know, for me, like at this stage, you know, I think, uh, got to got to get to a point within that chaos where you understand that you're already at a loss. How much more do you want to, uh, how much more of a ripple do you want this to, to be going forward? Like, you know, so the mindset is let's get through it. You know, got a tough customer. Let's get through it. Yep. You know, we'll get through it. We'll, we'll bend over backwards. We'll do what needs to be done because the beauty of this job is there's always another one. Well, hopefully, but hopefully. ultimately, you know, one of the cool things about this industry is that like, it's not just a different project. Like you get a new customer, like a, a great customer can increase morale immediately. Like my guys always call me and tell me when they have an awesome customer, like, Oh, she's so cool. They brought us cookies and donuts. It's funny. They have a a cool thing in our group chat where they have like lunch wars to see who can get their customer to buy them lunch. Um, You know, and uh, they send pictures of them hanging out with the customer eating lunch. Like, and that's the beauty of it is that it can flip like a switch. So look, man, you got to realize if you're doing 200 and 300 jobs a a year, which we're doing around 300, you're going to run into it. So, yeah, Get
1: ready. So one of the things that you said earlier and a theme that I wanted to come back to a couple times today is uh, is you taking accountability, or I'm actually going to change that word. I'm going to say responsibility for um, what happened on site, right? So there was some misquoting that may have happened. um, And then that frustration was felt by your project manager, by your painters, by the homeowner. And instead of you saying, hey, this is the project manager's fault, you accepted responsibility. Tell me about that. It's
0: either, well, it's either a lack of training or a lack of support or a lack of awareness of who you got in the role. And so, you know, for me, at the end of the day, um, are we perfect in those areas? No. Um, I don't think it's okay for people to make the same ma- mistake over and over again. Generally speaking, I have grace. You know, um, we don't have a major training facility where our painters go through and most of the what they learn is on site. Um, that's why for me, it's like, okay, well, if I, if I know that to be true in my business, then I need to hedge uh, the, that with character because character is something that um, I can work with, right? You know, if somebody makes a mistake, I can work with good character. But without good character, it's really hard for me to help them. Um, so that's the focus on the initial hire. But at the end of the day, man, like, you know, in any business, you know, everything's your fault as the business owner. And, you know, if you have managers, then you can place some of that responsibility on them. But it all comes down to training, uh, support, and ultimately, you know, reflecting on mistakes and giving them an opportunity to fix it. Now, I think everyone deserves a second chance. I've been in a position where I've given people enough chances to know who's taking advantage of me and who's taking advantage of the opportunity. Uh, and not making a decision is also your fault as well. I've had plenty of people who should not have been around uh, as long as they were. And that affected everyone. Um, so, so much to dive into there, but yeah, experience. So how about and, the, you know, you know, how about
1: that experience? I, I'm going I'm to straight up say yeah, that excuse, you know, this painter, when I hired him, he said he had 10 years exp- of experience. Um, we've been working with him for a few months. That seems not to be the case. Like how, you know, now, now the owner's blaming the painter for, for, for misleading. How would you deal with that situation?
0: Man, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's situational. I think, you know, is this someone that you would say is in charge or just kind of like a painter? Just a painter. You know, just a painter. I mean, at the end of the day, it's always like I do place some of that responsibility to oversee on the people that are running the job, of course, you know, and I think it's always going to go to them. My question to them would be, you know, did you give them a set of tasks to do? And, you know, were you overseeing those tasks? You know, I had an example here today. Um, Shamela told me that one of our new guys, Dylan, uh, was tasked yesterday to cut in the inside of the pool deck and he cut in the outside of the pool deck. Which the inside's harder. And we he had a plan in place. And one of the things that I said to him, I said, okay, well, you're upset about that. But the whole day he was cutting in the outside of that pool deck and you were up in the boom lift doing, you know, your thing. You didn't think to go oversee him, knowing that he's been with us for two months and he still needs to be checked, you know, and ultimately I can only just coach them on what I would have done in that situation, would have been I would have set him on the task. And of course you got to oversee it, you got to check what he's doing. You know, the the hardest thing that I've learned with getting painters to be managers is they're used to just focusing on their tasks. So you picture like a horse, you know, just in his, you know, with his little blinders on and you're training that horse to not only worry about their own race, but to worry about what every other horse is doing because they're leading the pack. So the painters, which I believe to be the best project managers who deserve it, the ones that take it serious, can communicate their biggest blunder. The hardest thing for them to learn is to stop what they're doing and, and step back and walk around the job site and check everyone else. And that takes time, you know, and, and we find that, man, if there's ever been any problems on our job site, it's simply because the person who's in charge again, isn't a project manager by nature. They're a painter who is learning to become a manager.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And they get, you know, it's, it's easy when you're, when you start painting for the day, it's easy to just get in that habit of of producing the whole day. You know, you get in the zone, maybe you listen to podcasts, yeah. maybe you listen to the Painter Growth podcast, maybe. right? You should. Yeah. And you just go and you just crush it and you just crush the whole day. And then you're like, oh, shoot, I had some other responsibilities. I have
0: people I'm responsible for, right? I got it. <laughs> but, the, you know, it's interesting. When I was managing a paint job, this was natural to me. I would set someone on a task. I would set someone else on a task. I would set someone else on a task. And then I would do my task with a timer in my brain Mm-hmm. knowing what Joe, what Joe should have accomplished by now with a timer in my brain what Chris should have gotten done by now. And I'm always thinking of their next task. That's what leaders do. That's what the best managers do because they understand, you know, their role. And this is a very hard thing to teach. So again, that's like, again, an area of like, you know, bringing the entire project together. Cause what, again, what we'll find is that, you know, their task is done, which they usually take the lead task, whether that's spraying or just doing the big task. And they find that their support team who was supposed to get things done, uh, we're lagging along the way and the next thing can't get done. And that has to get into tomorrow. And then there's always tomorrow. And it's like, you know, trying to, trying to optimize the job site is, is a big one.
1: When you're training painters, do you ever, do you ever help set goals with them? Uh, in terms of like, this is what you should be producing by lunchtime, like those types of like sure. micro goals. You
0: you want to give a you know if I'm if I'm on a job site, you know as if I were managing the job site, which I did for you know a year, um, it was you know you use those as as little milestones. Like by lunch, I want that done, or by the end of the day, we need to get this done. At this level, it's the project manager saying, "Hey, today we need to get this job done." So, and then whatever they do from there uh, is going to be, you know, them doing what I just said. So, in terms of bringing on a new painter and saying, "Hey, like in terms of skill set, this is what I expect out of you," I'm at a stage now personally where I don't really bring in anyone without 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 experience because we mentioned earlier, you know, with drip jobs and everything, you know, there's we have enough of a solid team where I don't need to bring in people without experience. They slow us down. Um, there was a time where that was all I had and we had people that work with us now that had no experience, but you know, we only really hire once every, maybe twice a year now because of the core group I have just personally, it's just so solid.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, you, I, you don't run the, and don't take this negatively at all. You don't run the biggest business ever, but it's really cool what you've done in terms of being able to run it from a time perspective.
0: Not never, no, never tried to run the biggest bit. I love the optimization of three crews Mm -hmm. and I took my time at two crews. There was never a rush for me to get to three. It was like natural. It's it. And I think natural progression is the best strategy in any business. You never want to hit the lottery and not know how to manage money. You know, it's, you just don't know what to do with it. You don't know how, you don't know how to respect it. Right. So for me, dude, I had one crew of four for like two years. Then I finally organically grew to two because one of the guys that I had, I felt could be a manager, and then the same. That was two years of 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 uh, two crews, and I learned the game of two crews. I studied it like I knew timing. I knew how many jobs I needed. I knew how many estimates I had to do. And then natural progression occurred. Three crews. Cool. Now we're managing three crews, and now I'm at a season where natural progression is happening. Where it's going to be four, and I think that's where we're gonna. That's where we're gonna sit. That'll get us right to about one point eight million a year. That'll be perfect for me to slip a GM in to take over. Um, and, you know, sit back and just, you know, again, focus on leadership. Most of the reason why I'm going to four crews this, uh, hopefully first quarter of next year is simply because I want to give someone who deserves an opportunity to be a manager and a raise an opportunity. That's really the only reason. I mean, for me, I owe it to them. I think for me, you know, he's a, he's a great person. He's a great painter and there's no one else around my area that has any sort of culture similar to this. It's my responsibility, you know, um, and that's it.
1: Yeah, I love that. One of the, you know, that's I feel very strongly like if you if you believe in your company and you believe that what you're providing is the best that is out there, then it is your responsibility, it's your duty to get that, you know, in front of as many customers as possible to get that customer to buy, or in this case, to give this employee the opportunity to to be a leader in this organization. You owe it to them. So what are you doing differently? In terms of the you know the marketing and management and organization as you go from three to four crews, is there anything that you're scaling up or anything that you that you are doing differently? I know there's a lot of guys listening yeah. who, who are trying to add another crew at you know whether it's a second or a third or a fourth. So what are you going to do differently?
0: Capitalizing on opportunity, um, you know, having a dialed in pricing structure now, which has been great with production rates. It's interesting. I build drip jobs like you know, synchron- you know with. Uh, I lost that word. I build drip jobs in parallel with uh, with my painting business growth, which is super fun because you know I'm like, cool. Let's build production rates now. I'm using production rates. Like I love that because it gives it gives us the ability to have um, you know consistent pricing. Which is like what other industry where you don't have consistent pricing? I truly believe, Mike, that painting business pricing is the hardest thing to price in any home service because of the different substrates and areas. You're not just dealing with square footage. You're dealing with, you know, linear footage. You're dealing with area. You're dealing with, you know, ceiling square footage. I mean, that's why it's so tricky. And what that does is it creates inconsistency in the sales, you know, and everything should be proportionate in, in this business. So again, capitalizing uh, on opportunity pricing accurately um, is, is all, is all a a big key taking customers through. i thought about this earlier today. I'm like, you know, there's some companies who don't use our software that their customers, if there's five different customers, they all get a different experience. They all get a different greeting on the phone. They all get a different, uh, you know, intake process. You know, some customers have to sit and wait for the guy to get a pen and paper. Some customers have to text the, the contractor, uh, their information. Some of them have to get redirected to their website that they have to Google to find it and submit a form that goes to an email for them to get responded to two days from now. Like, and then some of them get, you know, uh, a phone estimate, some get an in-person estimate, some of them get a written estimate on paper. And then some, I mean, like, again, like getting that system consistent and synchronized and um, taking people through like a conveyor belt, you know, is 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 beautiful because it takes the pressure off it's just like okay outputs and inputs now scale up the ads great more work you know easy so yeah. that's kind of been you know the focus and that's one of my passions so i mean if i could
1: distill that down into a, as simple terms as possible it's it's literally just about creating um creating repeatable systems that are they're streamlined and and scalable. I know that's yeah, a lot but of you know what, there. dude?
0: People hear that so much, bro, that it's they buzzwords. block that out.
1: Yes, buzzwords.
0: That doesn't mean anything to anyone. I, and it's not yeah. no offense to you. It's just like what I try to do is like break that down. Is like a system is exactly what I said in terms of like here's the here's how we sell drip jobs, right? I'm gonna give you this because this is so simple. Maybe people can use this in the painting business and use a s use it as a similarity. We get someone that's interested in drip jobs, or we approach someone that's interested in drip jobs what we what we what we boil it down to is one system that causes the that sets the tone for the entire company which is the intake of a customer right so the intake of a customer is where it all starts this kicks off your sales process this should be the best part of the entire journey and what it what i described just now was there's three different ways it happens if 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 someone listening to this this is you're gonna say you're gonna laugh you're gonna say that's me if someone calls you and you have to stop what you're doing and write down their information, that's a bad system. If someone calls you and you have to have them text you their first name, last name, email, phone number, address, that's a bad system. If someone has to go to your website to fill out a form, and it gets dropped into an email, and you don't respond to them for 24 hours, that's a bad system. And what the focus of about creating systems is, is to have the most optimized way to do something. And that's just one system, right? So for us with drip jobs, you're sending that link. They're filling out the form seven automations take place. It's a text message, an email, a contact creation, a deal creation, a notification to you all in one shot. Now that you have a system, the most beautiful thing about this, I'm going to bring this all together because I, I had trouble with this early on, but what's great about this system is you can have someone else manage and oversee it because it's optimized. So you found the most optimal way to do appointment creation in your company. Great. Now move on to how do, how do we optimize estimating? Well, right now you have no system for it. You eyeball it or you guess, or you just come up with some random number. So that should be the focus of how you can get someone else to do something without your own knowledge or experience or something that you can't count or, or quantify.
1: Yeah. So back to the drip jobs, um, Intake. So when you're selling drip jobs, you focus on one pain point and get clients to come schedule an appointment basically to try to solve that one pain point.
0: I mean, ultimately there's so many pain points if that is a pain point, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't want to overwhelm them and just say like, okay, well guess what? We're going to, we're going to start off by solving this major pain point that you probably don't even know you have, but it frustrates you every day. And then from there, guess what? We're also going to solve the pain point of following up with customers. Oh, you have leads. Great. You're not following up with them. Are you? Cool. That's mm-hmm. a pain point we're going to solve. And it's just the, the whole journey of drip jobs is to just solve all the pain points. And like, we're not even doing anything crazy yet. We're just the baseline software that's going to allow you to like systemize appointment setting, systemize follow-up, systemize proposal creation, systemize long-term nurturing, systemize job scheduling, systemize updates to customers, systemize review, uh, review garnishing. So it's like these are all areas and systems that you need to have, you should have, you probably don't have, and a software is gonna, you know, gonna give you that. Dude, it's kind
1: of ironic. What's so, up? You wouldn't be able to uh, run drip jobs while running your painting company if you didn't have drip jobs.
0: Hundred percent, thousand percent. You ever thought of like that before? Absolutely right. Of course, of course. I, dude, my my painting business is not in my head anymore. It used to be. It's so like. I don't think we we could, this is a whole different conversation, but the depression and anxiety and stress that comes from some of these business owners of, look, the greatest fear for most people is a fear of regret and missed opportunity, right? Like, it's like, oh man, I had a customer call me on Monday. I got busy. Kids came at me screaming when I got through the door. I totally forgot they called and that could have been a full house repaint and now they're already upset with me. Do you know I had a, a gentleman that I, had passed by in the neighborhood I was living at. He was doing some fence work, okay? I stopped by. He gave me his card. I said, hey, in a couple months, I'm going to need a fence estimate. Could you please, uh, you know, give me an estimate in a couple months? And he's like, yeah, take my card. Cool. I saved that card. That card was important to me because I was like, I've seen his work. He seemed like a good guy. I'm going to call that guy. All he's got to freaking do is show up. And let me tell you something, dude. I called that guy. He said, I'm going to call you back, brother. And just me knowing the game, he didn't, nothing, never called me back, never called me back. And at the end of the day, that was an indication to me of what I'm going to get. And, you know, all he had to do was show up. He could have quoted me almost anything, as long as it was semi-reasonable, because I trusted him. I saw his work. I met him. Missed opportunities. And it's out of my head now. I know we have a system for it. There's no, nobody slips through the cracks, no lead slips through the cracks, no phone call. When someone calls our business line and Teresa, the office admin, maybe she's, she, she works from home. So maybe she's doing something. Maybe she's walking a dog. I don't know. She misses the phone call. We have a text message that goes out with a link to book the appointment. So we don't miss that opportunity in the event that she's not physically answering the phone. So again, even just capitalizing on opportunities is is a system that, you know, it's going to help you scale.
1: Yeah. I love that. Um, I'm a huge proponent of that, of getting things out of your head. Like I talk to my, when I talk to my team or my team talks to me and they like give me things to do because you know, if you have a team, they should be also giving you things to do. Um, if I tell them like, if it's not in my calendar, it is not happening. Right. If they want to yeah, assign something to me, me it needs to get in my calendar or else it just, it just won't happen because I'm got a million other things to do. So yeah, the best system is a way is something that can get out of your brain and in a place that you will see it when it becomes time for you to do something. Otherwise everything you, else should not Do you know it. how
0: many people here's a, here's another example. Do you know how many people I forgot to actually schedule them a start date before I had drip jobs? I would actually sell the job a month ago, get a deposit, forget I got a deposit, have to go into my bank statement and look at <laughs> what I eat, what I deposited for $500 they don't have the image, so I gotta call the bank and like say, Hey, can you send me images of the last 10 deposits I had to see? Cause I never logged it anywhere. I was like, okay. So I know people are listening, like, yeah, me too, because it's just reality. And then they would call me and say, Hey, Tanner, when am I scheduled? And I'd be like, uh, one second. And I like, I didn't have a good system for scheduling jobs. I don't know what it was. It was I was using Apple Calendar for it, and Google Calendar for appointments, and uh and, and just forgot, you know. So so many things, man.
1: Yeah. So yeah, pr- I mean, production scheduling is huge. It's, it's funny, like back when I was, I was running my painting business, I used, uh, I used, uh, I accepted pretty much only checks and I used a deposit book or a, yeah, a deposit book. So I would, I would deposit like a handful of checks and I would write down on this like carbon copy deposit book, like the names, the amounts. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. yeah. Didn't want to pay that, you know, three and a half percent.
0: Anything to say.
1: Yeah. I see yeah. it as like
0: the gas to get there. Right. You know? Yeah.
1: Exactly. But uh, but now my, my mindset on that has changed. The efficiency is, is so much uh, more worth it and, and the convenience for the customer. So so I didn't I'm not trying to make this a, a sales pitch for drip jobs, but the drip jobs is production scheduling as well. It does. I yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah,
0: there's no set. We're just we're just paint. I'm just a painting contractor talking about a good software that I yeah. use, man. This isn't at the end of the day, look, more power to you if you can find something else. this isn't a sales pitch. And you know what? At the end of the day, I kind of want it to be because if you're struggling, you need it. You know, it's one of those mm-hmm. things, and and you could trust us if this is a direction you want to head in. But yeah, production scheduling, work orders. I mean, think about every aspect of a of a project, Mike, from start to finish. It's the intake, it's the the greeting, it's the proposal, it's the waiting of if they're going to accept it. So it's the follow ups, it's the acceptance, it's the okay acceptance, it's the color consultation, it's the scheduling of the project, it's the project being in progress, it's the invoicing, it's the project complete. Right? I mean. Taking one person for that entire cycle is exhausting, let alone maybe 10 customers a month on a, on a small scale, right? So not having something yeah. that helps you visualize those stages, you're you're at an extreme disadvantage. And that's, again, yeah. why we built it in a way where you could see the job board. Back in the day, Mike, these old contractors, they'd have what's on your wall right there. See that whiteboard? And you yeah. know what they do? They put the stages on the whiteboard right? And they'd say, okay, in progress, like, you know, waiting for deposit, like all that. So this isn't anything new. We just digitized it and automated the movement. So instead of erasing it and writing it, we just automate it to the next, the next stage. <laughs> uh, uh, an exercise
1: that I like to do when, when, you know, looking at different processes within my business or my client's businesses, just ask a question, would this system work if it was, if, our, if we had to do it 10 times more often, or if our business was 10 times bigger? Right? right. So, you know, client comes in, it's like, Oh, how are you, how are you keeping Great track client. of your scheduling right now? It's like, Oh, I got, I got it all in my head. Like I know J- the Johnson job starts on Monday, you know, Frederickson are on Wednesday, Thursday, and the next week we're starting Joanne's exterior. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. Well now imagine doing that with 80 jobs.
0: No, how don't even mean? say that. Imagine if you had to go into the hospital and your team's out without work.
1: Yeah. How there's did they there's know really the jobs? different situations where that would, you know, that could happen. But even if it's, yeah, w- regardless, it has to be a system that can grow ahead of where your business currently is, or else and that system will such be a good point. the factor of your business.
0: Such a good point. You know how many people tell me that they're not ready for a software like that? Well, ultimately, it's better to get one before you need it. You know? It, you it have really to
1: get it before you need it. Or else- It should be like, a day you're, one you're...
0: expense. Yeah. should be like, oh, I got to get my LLC and a CRM got to get or, your acronyms
1: or, um, the clients will tell me, uh, we really want to join your coaching program, but we just got to like, we just got to get a l- make a little bit more money first.
0: Oh, like, well, I forgot. There's people that listen to this that aren't in your coaching program.
1: <laughs>
0: what a detriment. Oh, well, the good news is if you go, if you, if you join Mike's coaching program, you get a very, very special drip jobs offer. We're not going to tell you what it is because you have to, you have to meet with Mike, Yeah, but uh, you, you, you need to get into coaching. So Lucas mentioned this on the last podcast. Three things, marketing software and a coaching program that will help you get to the goal.
1: Yeah. Um, another thing that I like to say is, you know, on, on another side. So this is systems oriented. If you go now to your uh, level as a leader, um, I often like to say that your business will only grow uh, to your ability. Sorry, I'm going to rephrase that. Your ability to grow your company is limited only by your ability to delegate more and more complex tasks. So as your business grows, the tasks that you are doing as a leader become more and more complex. And once you can no longer delegate those tasks efficiently, then uh, that's going to be your job. And that's just going to be where you're stuck.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that a solo painterpreneur has to do that aren't getting done, but they feel the pressure of having to do it. So let's real quick. I don't want to leave this call and not talk to that guy. I love that guy. That's the one guy that's starting out. I mean, the sales guys will figure it out. The marketing guys will figure it out. But if you garnished a few people on this podcast that are, you know, they got a brush and a dream and they're like, where do I start with this delegation thing? Part of the reason that they say that is because they're used to doing the painting. So then removing themselves from the painting is almost like me and you, Mike, removing ourselves from the sales of our businesses. This is, if you have, if we have, we have to have some empathy for those individuals. Um, so I'm going to extract your answer. I want to know your answer to that. What do you say to the guy who is painting and you know how important painting is to them? What do you like one guy, but he needs to start delegating. Mm -hmm. What do you, what's your advice to them? I want to know.
1: I mean, we got to first decide if that's something we want to do, right? If we're happy painting, there's no, there's no shame in just wanting to be a painter. I tell them
0: they can continue to paint their grandmom's house if they want, but Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good living. If you have to, if you have to do it,
1: you can make good money, but, but the, it comes, you get older, your body isn't working as good. You slow down, you can't produce as much anymore. Like your body catches up to you. So at at some point you should want to, you know, build a business a little bit so that you can make a little bit of money and not quite work so hard. So first step is a helper, right? You got to get someone on site with you so you can get a little bit of experience managing someone else. It doesn't have to be a full-time helper. They don't have to have a ton of experience, but just, just get used to, to having someone working with you. Teach them. Um, practice skill transfer, or the, the art of skill transfer. Teach them how to be better, how to be more mm. efficient. Literally things that, that uh, the things that you know, they don't know. Yeah. You'll be surprised how little people know, you know, coming into it. So just, just try to teach them. And then you'll be surprised how quickly they catch on. Painting an interior isn't particularly difficult. Once they're proficient, now, if you have enough work, the next step is find another helper, find another painter to bring on with them. They got a crew of three, you and two people, right? Do the same thing. Develop them, transfer skills, talk to them, coach them, teach them. And sooner, sooner than not, you will have a crew that can now operate independently. So you're not going to leave for a full day at the start. Maybe you just want to leave to go do an estimate, right? Go leave to grab lunch. Then maybe you set them up in the morning, come back at noon and help them finish the day. Then... Before you know it, you're going to be gone. Set them up in the morning, leave the whole day, go do sales all day, come back, help them close it up, and just keep. And you do that
0: cycle one time, you are going to be hooked. You're going to be like, whoa! Some income was just produced without me producing it, and uh, there is risk, right? You're risking your reputation, you're risking it not being done right. But the mindset is, you transition yourself to be like, okay, I'm the project manager. Like at the end of the day, your standards so high, you're not going to let someone come in and and you know, you're not going to sell a poor product. Mm -hmm. You got to be okay with them making mistakes. But I personally think the only thing that I would hit on, which that was great. But one thing that I would hit on is hiring with the intent uh, of what that move is, because you're not going to just get lucky. And I think that's another thing that is, if you talk about systems, the hiring system needs to be strategic. It can't just be a random approach. You can't just hope that you meet someone at Williams that comes into your business with the mindset of they're going to run a crew. I also want to make it clear someone working by themselves and making hourly wage is not appealing. So the mindset to me should be hire two people at one time, have them battle mm-hmm. in a passive way to see who earns the right to be named crew leader. And instead of sh- sending one person in to do the workload, I think two would be best, and then you, as the business owner, Mike, I'm sure you probably would agree with this. Like you, kind of want to like wean yourself out, right? You want to paint with them, and paint with them, and paint with them. But like you said, little by little, start, start, you know, giving yeah, them some of that. I don't, I
1: don't hate that idea. The one challenge that I have found working with painters in that exact situation is that when they hire their first painter or two, they see that drop in their gross margin. They, they see that drop in profitability and not, they're not making 80% profit on job anymore, right? They're making 50% or 40%. And now it's like, oh, crap, I need to be doing twice as much work in order to make the same amount of money. But that's the point, right? The point is that you, you can produce more and make the same amount of money, but you're now working less. That's the trade-off that you're making. And it's hard to do and it takes guts to do, right? And not everyone is capable of it, right? It's you need to have a pretty, you know, decent and emotional quotient, emotional intelligence, uh, in order to actually you know, have the desire to and, and successfully make that leap. But it does suck. You're going to make less money for a short period of time. But if you know your numbers and you have a way to track and see how much profit you're making, how much profit you could be making once you hit um, you know, two painters full-time working for you while you're off the tools, um, that's the lay at the end of the tunnel. It's not very far away from that first step. But there is a, a, a trust gap that you need to go through. And it will suck for a little while if you're not prepared for it
0: hundred percent. Love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the next level, right, is, is bringing on that production manager is, you know, getting to that place where you're at right now, you know, or creating... if you're not a
0: natural salesperson, bring in someone to do sales. I yes, think it's One just, of those two. It's so one if, you of will, those... if you love producing, if you love, like I know some people that are just producers and project managers that found a salesperson because they don't want to do that sales part.
1: Um, I actually heard a good tip. I haven't tried this yet. Um, But a, a good tip is like, you can, Potentially partner with a interior designer in your area. Okay. interior yep. designers aren't typically super busy. If there's one that's self-employed yep. and teach them, teach them production rates, teach them how to quote. They're already talking to homeowners. They already know yeah. inside homes. They know kind of how things flow, teach them how to estimate painting. And all of a sudden they have a side gig.
0: That's not a bad idea at all. Yeah. No, <laughs> my, my, my color consultant upsells. Like, I mean, she, she probably upsells what we pay her monthly based on just her knowledge. Like, it's amazing how I'll offer something to customers and then she'll offer it and she'll get it. And I'll just be like, you know, I told you so. Yeah. But it's uh, it's pretty cool.
1: So going back to that guy who's a single painter trying to go to the next level, trying to get off the tools, you need to get clear in your numbers. Right. If you're not clearing your numbers, if you're producing work and just depositing money into your one bank account and taking out money when you feel like you need to pay your bills and stuff like that, and hopefully gotcha. there's money left over at the end of the day, um, you'll never get out of that cycle. You got to get clear in your numbers. You got to have even if it's a simple spreadsheet on job costing, um, if you right. can get to that next level, find a bookkeeper, um, get a monthly P&L right get a monthly cash flow statement it sounds daunting but it's not it's really really simple to get someone to put together a, a cash flow statement for you you yeah. got to see how much money you're making it's 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 so important so you can make those decisions confidently
0: 100% and when it when you feel like oh can i hire and you say in your head no um because you're scared that you know you won't be able to keep them busy just think like you found enough work to keep you busy so you know there's you i think you'll be all right you know that's a big a big thing I hear as well.
1: Yeah. But then, you know, then when it comes time to scale, you do need, you need scalable marketing systems. You need to know how to get leads. You need to know how to close jobs. You need to know what your average job size is, how much it Yeah. Costs in other words, you, you need, need a coach.
0: So get with Mike.
1: You need a coach, you need a software and you need a, what was the other one? You need, you need a marketer. A mar- a uh, okay. I marketing agency. Yeah. At some marketing point. agency. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, When when you get to a certain level for sure. Um, you know, bootstrap, if you're less than 20 a month, don't need an agency. I would, uh, I would recommend you can do it yourself. Once you get above that level, start delegating, uh, some of the marketing aspects, um, can be hugely valuable. Oh yeah. Oh, and you also need a paintbrush and a dream
0: and a dream. Gotta have a vision. So <laughs> no, people are making killer money in the painting business and it's absolutely. like, you know, I, I, i mean it's all these marketers business. out
1: here starting painting businesses
0: yeah i mean then they get smacked in the mouth bro you know they oh, don't yeah. know uh, they, they get whipped oh, yeah. you know because they just they just see like dude this isn't this isn't what i thought it was you know now i got to take it easy on my clients because i'm always like oh they can't you know say yeah. no joke man you got to earn it oh
1: yeah it's a grind if you don't know what you're doing um but uh you know, you figure it out and, and you keep moving forward. That's the thing. There's always another customer, right? You might burn a brand. Uh, there's always more customers to come. Oh yeah. That was great, man. Thanks for coming on. Um, that was fun conversation. A I didn't fun. even know where that was going, but that I liked, I liked where it ended up.
0: Yeah. just off the top, man, you know, love what you're doing, bro. Thanks as always for, uh, for bringing me on uh, my final word, uh, which is, you know, anyone listening to this, that's on the fence about coaching or software or marketing. It's just important that you keep listening to these conversations to realize that, there's certain leaders in the space that truly do care about your best interests. I truly think Mike is one of those people. Um, so, you know, in terms of Mar- uh, terms of coaching, you know, you're in good hands with him. I've actually personally been a part of your coaching uh, sessions, which was extremely enlightening. Just even just the people in there being a part of conversations. Don't look at the investment; look at the return. What Mike? If I if I came up to you, Mike, and said, "Okay, Mike, if I invest in your coaching business, what type of return could I get?" Would you easily say it's 10x? Oh man. Monthly. Monthly, right? Yeah. So that it's it's weird to think like, well, why am I? Why, it's just at the end of the day, like even with drip jobs, when I sell it, it's like you're we sell things with the expectation that you're going to get 10x the value in return. That's our standard. So, um, you know, you want to be with people that have that sort of standard that are backed by reviews, backed by word of mouth. I think, again, every painting business either needs should have a coach, should have a, a software and should have a marketer. Having those three things in your back pocket puts you at the same level as a franchise coming into your town. Like you you couldn't do that before, but now you can. Franchises coming into town have a built-in software that's proprietary. They have coaching and they have mentorship, mindset, all that, and they have marketing done for them. And you could pretty much put those resources together without a $50,000 buy-in and a 9% royalty. So stop playing, you know, stop holding on to your money you gotta let it go
1: yeah absolutely and uh, it's funny when you know on that same in that same breath when when people say drip jobs is expensive right it's like okay is it really expensive right or is it just like the if it saves you one hour a month it pays for itself right one or two hours a month right. but it should be saving you that every day
0: you know at the end of the day we hear that too and 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 it sucks because you know um the the reality of it is it's just in proportion to to value right like and if you feel as though it's expensive maybe you just haven't had an opportunity to see all the value that it offers mm-hmm. and at the end of the day you can't quantify time so you know some people value their time more than than others you know and that's that's what our thing is 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 saving you time and making you money i think you can
1: quantify time it's just everyone quantifies it differently
0: yeah well you can't put a value to it like for me like some people don't care as much about saving time as i do
1: true but the whole employee, mo- the whole employee, I know we're going a little over time here, but the whole employee model is about quantifying time, <laughs> right? But I guess we're Pretty entrepreneurs much. or business owners, so it's a lot Yeah. Harder to quantify. True. Very true. Thanks, brother. It, bro. Thank this you. A great conversation. Till next All time. Man. Oh, yeah. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Painter Growth Podcast. If you want to grow your painting business, go to www.paintergrowth.com or click on the top link in the description. Talk soon.